mankind because Adam had sinned and the wrath and that and that hold on just a second and that the wrath of God was on mankind and somebody had to take the wrath on us we could nobody could go to heaven nobody could go to heaven so Jesus was to take on the wrath of God and take our place and be punished for sin that's why you got people like Joyce Myers and all talking about that Jesus went to hell and the devil beat the daylights out of him until the father let him go which was a false doctrine Jesus, the Bible never says that Jesus was our substitute. It's nowhere in the Bible. It does say that Jesus became a ransom for us. A ransom, and then you'll find in 1 Timothy chapter 2, a ransom is something that is paid. For instance, if you have a child and somebody kidnaps your child, yeah. and the kidnapper says to you, there's a ransom on your child, you would say that you'd ask, well, how much is it? Right. You know, and they say, well, a thousand dollars, well, you pay just a thousand dollars, give your child back. Yeah, the Redeemer. Well, that's yeah. right, the Redeemer. Well, there was a Jesus paid the ransom of what was lost in the garden. Jesus paid that ransom, and that was the approach to the Father. We couldn't approach to the Father. None of, none of them could in the Old Testament for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There was no approach. They had to take a high priest, the best man that they knew, and they had to take the best lamb that they could find, and go once a year and offer up sacrifices for people, their sins and the sins of the people. But they never could approach the Father, so they'd send this guy and tie a rope to his leg when he go to Holy yeah. Holies in case God struck him dead because he had sinned. But they had to keep doing that over and over again because it was always a remembrance of sin. You never could get cleansed from sin. You never could get clean enough to approach the Father. So what happened was Jesus became the perfect high priest, sinless, and the perfect lamb, sinless, both of them. So he'd have to sacrifice himself, and he'd be the high priest and the lamb, so that he, for once and for all, died on the cross to, to break. When, what happened when he died on the cross? Anybody remember what happened? The veil was. Very good, Linda. The veil was torn. What veil was that? The veil was torn into the Holy of Holies. Before you could only approach the Holy Holies once a year. All of a sudden, Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, the, the veil was torn, and which opened up where we could go into the Holy of Holies. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 4 12, it says, Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. So he made a way where we could approach the Father. In the Old Testament, or before Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, Remember Jesus had told him in John 14, he says, he said to them, he said, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you, <coughs> right? They couldn't have the Holy Spirit in them before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But afterward, after the cross, then now Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I and my Father will come and live in you. And he said, but the but the cover which is the whole Jesus says it's expedient that I go away. For if I go that away, then the Holy Spirit can't be in you. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the temple is done away with, the old temple. And now you are the temple of God, those who have cleansed themselves and walked in the Lord. You're where Christ lives. You don't have to go somewhere because the temple of God is in you. You are the temple of God. So when Christ did, he paid that price so that we could approach the Father. But they say no. He paid. A, he paid the price for your sin, so that you you could be, uh, so that Christ, God wouldn't look on your sin anymore. That's not. That's not what he did. He did pay the price for our sin, of course, that we could have forgiveness of sin. But he didn't pay it where where you if you sin again you okay and you'll go you okay. 
it's still the same thing. So basically what you're saying is uh, the, the modern day church today believe that the Lord paid a price to God. Uh, this is what they believe instead of the paying a price to the enemy. Right. Okay. You see, there was a debt that had to be paid. Okay, we talked about that he paid a ransom. Who <laughs> did Christ pay a ransom to? That's the real question. Did he pay a ransom to the Father? That the modern day church says that the Father's wrath was upon man and that Christ had to pay a price, a ransom to the Father. But see, that was never true. The Father didn't have wrath upon the Son or upon anyone. The Father sent his Son because he had love for us. But who did he pay the debt to? Who did he pay a ransom to? Who, who had us in bondage? Who? What? Exactly. Because what happened? When Adam and Eve gave in to Satan and said, okay, I'll eat it. You see, that's what happened. Is they we were in bondage. That's why it talks about that you're in bondage. When you sin and you make that choice to sin, you become in bondage to sin. But Christ paid the price so that you can be freed from that. That's good. You just said when you make that choice to sin. Right. Most people believe that they didn't have the choice yeah, to yeah, make that choice. Now, he didn't do that for everybody. He did it for everybody, but only those who choose to, Correct. to walk with him. Correct. So, so this is this is how it works, guys. You're gonna find a lot of scriptures, and we talked about this, and I'm gonna want to just kind of balance this out a little bit because we go on the other, you can weigh on one side, you can go on the way on the other side, you know, like like a pendulum. You know, you can be way one side and way the other side. On, on one side, you'll hear people say, "It's all God. God did everything. God, man, He." Uh, every time they do something. Song completed in yeah, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Some know, of them are not saying. Also, the one who created me a new heart. Yeah. I got to believe that God already created me a new heart. So I'm not asking him to keep creating me a new heart. <laughs> but but anyway, um, as the pendulum swings, some people will take that, and there's certain scriptures that they can take and do that and isolate those scriptures and say, God did everything. He, he um, I, I didn't come to the Lord. The Lord brought me in and he created situations of everything I do is God. It's nothing. I don't do anything. And they think they're giving God the glory for that. But then you got other scriptures that say, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Uh, uh, let's cleanse ourselves from all the vomit and flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Because there's this, 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 this uh, it's both. Okay, let me show you how it works. You can do all things through Christ. Yeah, you got all things. Yeah, that's right. That's God right. didn't but create robots that would do just what he wanted. That's right. That's right. You always have a choice. And it's not It's not just you. And it's not God. Right. It's both. Because what happens in repentance? Okay, say God calls all men everywhere to repent. He's telling them, repent, or you shall likewise perish. Did God repent for them? Say, I'm going to repent for you? No, he tells them, repent. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Who has God's choosing? No, you choose it. And, and God's choosing too. It's both. That's why you see, sometimes you see, you have not chosen me, I chose you. Or you both chose. Because but, because the way it works is, and so many of if I go too fast, the way it works is, like God said, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. And who's drawing? Yeah. And then who? And he is. That's right. So when you be, when you go to repent, and you start realizing, I'm not going to make it, this sin's got to get out of my life. 
start turning from that sin, what happens? God helps you. He helps you through that. He takes you out of the bondage of it. See, you're, you're, you're in bondage to sin. He'll, he'll make some way. But some people want to say, man, I was so much in bondage, God just had to do it all. No, God didn't do it all. You have to sometimes resist the devil and resist sin to the shedding of blood. Sometimes it hurts. Huh? He says he'll make a way for you to escape that. Too. That's right. He'll make a way to escape it. But you got to take it. Right? Yes, sir. Also, it talks about that, that way of escape, too. It talks about it in Second Peter. It says that once you had that way of escape from the pollutions, it refers to. It also to. said nobody goes to the front of my so He's the way to the Father. That's right. You gotta, you gotta go through Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So so Jesus, God did the first thing. He died on the cross. He took the first step. You take the next step by turning from your sin. Yeah. Then God comes in with the next step to help you, to fill you. Yeah. See, see how that synergy works where where's where God working with you, you working with God. Yeah, that's right. But see, what you can do is you can have it way on one side. And say it's all God. But you can way on the other side, it's all me. But it's really both. You know, you have to change that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, to God can do all things through me. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just not the way it is. That's not the way it reads. Yeah. That's why, like Hebrews 12, 4 says, you have not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. That means you are resisting it. You are stopping it. You, people get around and they say, well, I'm just waiting for God to you know, pray for me and God just takes this away from me. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. No. you got to take the step. Right. you got to say, no, I don't want this anymore. I'm standing on I don't give it. It makes me bleed till I stop. Will God help you? Absolutely, God. Because he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Right. But see, that's, so the penal substitution is where they say that Christ was your substitute on that cross. For you. See, that, that's what they say. The, our fathers, forefathers, before 1100 AD, said, no, Christ wasn't your substitute. He freed you to where you could be free to go directly to the Father and pray to the Father and have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in you. What are the, what are the advantages of the cross of Jesus Christ? What, what do we have that they didn't have before the cross? Okay. To the Father. Uh, with the cross. Yes. Yeah. Well, give me some things that we had that we have now that, we, that they didn't have. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Well, they had the Holy Spirit, but it was on the side, right? Now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, right? Okay. And the Father and the Son, right? What other things do we have now that they didn't have? Forgiveness. Jesus. The sacrifice. Yeah. Calling principalities and rulers of darkness to be subject unto us. Yeah. That's right. Look at Hebrews chapter two. We also don't have to. Uh, we don't have to sacrifice animals and stuff like that. That's right. And why don't we have to sacrifice because animals? Jesus because we have the ultimate sacrifice. Is the ultimate sacrifice. Okay. So without Jesus and without blood, sacrificing animals, is there any way? No. There's no way. So, for instance, Israel, the Jewish people, they don't offer sacrifices anymore. They reject Jesus, so they can't have eternal life. You know, and that's what happened to them. They rejected Christ. And that's what happens to anybody who rejects Christ. You said the Lord helps you once you begin to repent. 
what scripture or how would you put uh, when does the Lord not help someone? Uh, he resists the proud. When does it get? Good, when does it get to that point? Well, like Donald said in James chapter four, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the proud man that thinks he does it, thinks he's fine like he is. You know, then he's not gonna he's not gonna seek to do what he's gonna do, which is most of Christendom today. Uh, they they think they can go on and sin, and that God's not gonna see their sin, and God's gonna excuse that. But there's gonna be no excuse for sin. And Revelation twenty one twenty seven says that that nothing defiled shall enter the kingdom of God. Nothing defiled shall enter heaven. Nothing unclean. No liar. No no fornicator. No no. Uh, None of these. No, no, no one that looks at pornography. They are not going to be in heaven because disobedient will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Which the scripture says. Look at Hebrews 2. It says in verse 14. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So what did he do? He destroyed Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil in, in Matthew chapter 4? What did the devil tell him? Do you remember that? He said, if you'll worship me, all these kingdoms will be to you. What do you mean? Remember the devils? Yes. But when Jesus died on the cross, did, he destroyed that. Now the kingdoms belong to the Lord. They belong to the Lord to give to us, to his people, because he destroyed what he had lost by Adam's sin. He went back, and it had to be a man. And it had to be a perfect man. It had to be a perfect lamb. And Christ did all did that. So let's go further. With this. He says, I destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And verse 15 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That was us. Okay. The scripture says, uh, okay, let's, let's read it a little bit further and get done with this. And delivered them through the fear of death, where all their lives have been subject to bondage. And verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Chapter 2, verse 17. Wherefore, in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brother, just like us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. He made a way that we could be reconciled to him and to the Father. For that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure or help them that are tempted. Alright? Okay. Look at chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 4. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. Our, 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 fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses or infirmities, but was in all points tempted just like we are, yet was without sin. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. So you see, Jesus was that faithful high priest, and he delivered them who all their lifetime were subject to bondage. So I want to show that says, James 1 says that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth death, but he's enticed. The Bible said the word enticed in your Bible means he's trapped. Okay? He gets trapped. When we made a decision to, to do our thing and to sin, we became trapped in that sin. Remember, you, you were trapped 
and you even when you kind of wanted to stop, you couldn't stop because you were, you were trapped in it until you really wanted it bad. Huh? You become a slave. You become a slave to it, and that's like what Jesus said in John eight. He says, "If you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free." And they asked Jesus, "says What do you mean we're free? We're children of Abraham." Jesus says, "Everyone who sins." is a slave. He's in bondage to sin. He's a slave to sin. But in whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed. So the man is in bondage to sin, but when he begin, when he walks into a state of repentance, remember we talked about back when you began we're talking about Don, godly sorrow, the man realizes, man, I'm going to hell. I'm in bondage to the sin. I can't hardly even stop. This has got to stop or I'm not going to make it. I'm losing my family. I've lost everything I have, whatever the cost is. And he says, okay. And he comes to the Lord. Lord, you got to help me. I'm stopped. I'm going to stop sitting. I've, I've turned from it. And what does the Lord say? Go to Psalms 107. Listen, guys. Um, Amen. I was praying this this morning, and, I, and I've, I've been laboring over this, what I'm sharing with you tonight. And uh, this is nobody's doctrine that they gave me, so I've been laboring over this. And I was praying hard this morning, and I asked the Holy Spirit, Psalm what? Psalm 107, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, show me what happens in repentance. And, and I said, I need to know, Lord. And he talked, he spoke to me, and he says, Psalm 107. Amen. I said, okay, I'm going to So I went to Psalms 107, and this is what he showed me. Go, go to verse, verse 23. 107. This is repentance. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. Probably remember this verse. Son. Now when you're going down to ships to do business in great waters, be serious. You launch out into the deep. You say, man, I've, I've got to get things right. I'm launching out by faith. That's your faith launching out. These see the works of the Lord because they go going far with the Lord. And his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raises the stormy wind which lifteth up to the waves thereof. You know the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. And he'll lift up the waves up to the sky. The waves go up. They mount up to heaven all the way up to the sky. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro like a and stagger like a drunken man, and see at the, and, and are at their wits' end. And man, I gotta stop. This is God. I need some help, Lord. And look what happened. Then they cry out to the Lord, huh? Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them into their them out of their distresses. He makes the storm a calm. So that the waves thereover steal. Then are they glad because they be quiet. They rest in their rest. So he brings them to their desired haven. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men like we did tonight. But you see, in this repentance, it's God, first of all, he, you launch it out to the deep. You begin to repent. You begin to repent. But as you repent, if you see a man in all these storms, all these ways, like, how am I going to get out of this? I've got to stop this. And I'm in bondage to it. I'm a servant to it. I'm a slave to it. And when he comes to his wit's end, it's when you want it really bad. 
say, man, I gotta have this. Then he cries to the Lord, Lord, you got to help me. I can't stop this. You gotta bring me out of this bondage. So you really can't repent without this kind of brokenness. That's what he takes. And that is the goodness of God to bring him to that. Now the proud man, he will never come here. Because he will be content. He's going to be content with his sin. Because he's going to think he's okay with his sin. But we know, just like when in the beginning, when God, when the, the, the serpent came to Eve, and God had told Adam and Eve, He says, "If you," He said, "All the trees of the garden you may eat, but the one in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, good, 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 good evil. evil." He says, "If you eat this, you will what? You will surely die. You will surely die." The devil told him. doctrine from the beginning that he tried to teach Eve was that you could eat that fruit, that forbidden right. fruit, and you'll live. Right? Yeah. The opposite of what God said. Yeah. We got the same devil doctrine going on today, telling people you can sin, and you'll always sin till the day you die, right. and you'll go to heaven. Right. You see, exactly the same about. doctrine, the same trick worked back then in the garden, it's still working today. Kevin, yeah. still working today. Didn't have to change a thing. What is man still telling you the same thing the serpent told Eve? Surely you can sin. Everybody sins. Nobody's perfect and you're going to make it to heaven. He's lying. The same lie that he told to begin with. Wake up. There was no substitution for you on the cross. Jesus sees everything naked and open. Throughout the Old Testament, all the saints of the Old Testament, you think you got something... That, that they could do. One man got killed for picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Another one got, got they killed him for having curse words coming out of his mouth. So, but they think today they can do that. And it's all fine again. What Jesus did do. His Bible says he came to take your sin away and take you from your sin. So that you won't sin anymore. Because he gave you the power not to sin. And shame on you if you don't use that power. If you sit there and you're relaxed and you feel good about sin in your own life and think that you're going to heaven, you've got the same doctrine the devil has. That's where you're at. Now you see first John right here. He says, born of God does not commit sin. He cannot sin. That's it, Kevin. Born of God and the Spirit of God. It all fits together, Kevin. When you, when you see from Genesis, you go from Genesis all the way to almost Revelation because you go into first John, which is almost the end of the Bible. It still says the same thing that it said from the beginning. God said, if you eat the fruit, if you sin, you're going to die. You're not going to heaven. I think it's also important to apply that, though. You know, like, not not for us as believers or for just, like, Christians to read it, but to actually do it. Like, for the scripture says that he that is born of God doesn't commit sin. Do you believe that? Are you doing that? Like, is that you? Like, are you actually... Born of God. Do you not actually, like, are we doing what we're quoting? Well, well, second, that's if, important. If you're born to do. of God, you're going to do that, or else you're not born of God. Correct. Right. Correct. Because if, if the scriptures say in James 1 to be doers of the word, 
and not hearers only. Because the one that looks at it and looks at the mirror, looks at the word, and then walks away and he's a forgetful hearer and he's not doing it, then which is all in the same context of the scripture I just gave, then he's deceiving himself. Correct. We don't want to see anybody deceive themselves. You want to see the application of what the word of God says in each one of our lives. Correct. We have to we'd be accountable. We're even more accountable. So much is given, much is required. So when you hear this, you're even more accountable. Sin has to be examined in our lives. And if we find ourselves coming short, we have to admit, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I need to get things right. I got this one thing in my life. I got this other thing in my life. Some people, they, they get rid of one sin and maybe they were doing a drug, they were drug addicts. Maybe they were alcoholics. They quit doing drugs, they quit doing alcohol, they think they're fine. No, it's all got to go. There you go. You got to come clean all the way with all of it. There you go. Fill it for the Lord. I mean, what do you think when you're going to get before God and he already told you, you go to, uh, like we said before, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or, or Ephesians chapter 5 or or, or go to uh, 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 Revelation chapter 21 or Galatians chapter 5. All those talk about and it names people that do such things will not adhere to the kingdom of God. Do you think that you're going to get by with doing them because you're going to tell the Lord, well, Lord, I didn't think you saw my sin. Well, he told you in his word he does. He told you in his word if you do those things, you're not going to enter the yeah. kingdom of heaven. What, what's so hard to understand? What part of it do you not get? You know, is what you have to ask. You say, what am I not getting about that? If I'm fornicating or if I'm, if I'm committing adultery, if I'm stealing, if I'm killing, if I'm, if I'm uh, looking at pornography, if I have unforgiveness, all those things. Lying, if I'm lying, if I'm telling any lie, if I'm destroying my temple by doing anything I shouldn't be doing, all those things, then I'm not going to enter the kingdom. But God gives us this warning to get it right now. Because if you wait till then, it's going to be too late. That's the important thing. This is the most important teaching there is. Amen. The most important. You got to get this right, or you can You know, you're going any further. Yeah, that's right. And so many people think they got it right, and they got it wrong, and they bound to hell, and they they, they just sitting there like, you know, the preacher told me this. Yeah. I trust my pastor. He told me I'm okay. Really? You're comfortable in that. You got you got a serpent. You know, serpents are pretty. Yeah. You know, they got all those pretty colors and all on those serpents. Right. Some of those serpents. Yeah, man, they can, they real smooth. They stay quiet. They pat you on the back. Says the, the Bible. What does the Bible say in First in Second Corinthians eleven? It says that they they come to you. Well, we know in Matthew five they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're raven wolves. He says they come like angels of light, angels like ministers of righteousness. But they but they they false prophets. They they teaching people the wrong things that are not the word of God. Amen. I just wanted to know what would you tell a person like if someone who wants to come to that place of repentance and obviously know the steps uh, what would you give them to say uh, on how to identify those sins that need to go what would be what, what would you tell that person that that need to that needs help on to identify those sins I, that I would to tell them to go to first Corinthians or let's we can go through those again we've been through them a lot if y'all want to you, you want to go through them or not to identify them? First Corinthians 6 9. We, we've been through Yeah, that. we've been through that many times. Yeah, Everybody is familiar yeah. with that. Correct. Uh, Ephesians 5 also talks about the warmongers and all those that sin will not inherit from God. Romans chapter 1 talks about those that do these things and, and, and also lift up those that do them also. Um, uh, Galatians 5 19, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. 
names of all in Revelation 21 7. It talks about the liars and all those showed out in here. But, uh, those identify them and also. Again, what's, he says what's not of faith is, is sin. And he that knows to do good and doesn't do it is sin. But there are sins that are under death. And there are sins that are not under death in 1 John chapter 5. And those sins that are under death are those that, we, that are listed there. There are sins that are not under death, which are things that the Lord will point out to you and show you. I had a, had a uh, one of the brother the other day, Tuggy, uh, called me and I was talking to him about his, uh, him and his wife. And he said, oh, my wife, I told her, you know, she needs to go to work and we need some extra income and she's not doing it. We got in an argument and, and I was arguing with her and I got angry, but it was God's anger. And I, and I punched the wall, you know, and I said, <laughs> and, uh, and I told him, I said, you know, I said, how do you figure that's God's anger? He said, well, the Bible says to be angry, but sin not. I didn't sin it. I didn't hit her. I just hit the wall. I said, uh. Well, let's, let's identify that a little bit better. I said, let's go to some scriptures and look at them. And I told him, I said, go to James chapter 1. I said, it says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, because man's anger does not work the righteousness of God. I said, if it's God's anger, that's fine. But do you think God's anger was punching that wall? Or do you think that was man's anger? See, any anger that comes from yourself is man's anger. And that's why the scripture says that one of the things in that, that list is anger, uh, rage. And the Bible says that to do away with all anger and evil speaking. I said, you need to be careful. I said, because you're calling it God's anger and it's not God's anger. God's anger is a righteous anger. Like when he went in the temple with the with the whip and he was angry because of what they were doing to the father had nothing to do with himself you're being angry at your wife because something she said to you when the bible says do not render evil for evil but give her a blessing back and i i, I told him this and i share this with a lot of married people and you know this because you've been married a long time i'm sure I'm sure you've been through this but when you have a wife and she and you uh, and you have to you have to be the leader of your home as a man head of the house. The Bible says the head of every woman is the man. And the, the scripture says that, that a woman is to submit to her husband in all things. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing because that puts all the responsibility on him. He passes up. It's between him and God. And we're all messed up. <laughs> yeah, so, but but he's to love you like Christ loved the church and to give himself for you, you know, in a in like manner. And it, it really, when we do that, it makes it where we're always looking out for our wives and we must be sitting in God. And I said, as a leader and as a as an authority in your, in your in your in your house with your wife or in the church, I says, you can tell your wife, honey, I want you to do this, or we're gonna do this. And if she doesn't do it and she chooses not to, that's between her and God then. You don't make her do anything. You tell her, do this, but then once you told her she doesn't want to do that, then then she's in God's hands between her and God then. Say, honey, you know what I told you? You don't want to listen to me? That's fine. It's between you and God now. It's out of my hands. And that kind of protects us on that too. Yeah. Because some men want to try to make their wife do something. And you can't, you don't do that. You know, you love your wife. So you, you right. give it to her, you share with her, she and let, let her do it and let and, and <clears throat> it because between her and God then. And, uh, and so 
my wife testifies, you know, like the other Sunday she said, said, man, I, I submit to my wife. I pray for uh, to my husband. I pray for my husband that God will help him make the right decisions for my life and that he will teach me the right things and understand things. He says, I'm, I'm just Jill. She says, I'm always praying for you. Jill has changed so much. You know, she's just a great, great wife now. She's just a loving wife. And, and just you can see really that, that's you know? what she said the other night was really a good example you know, of, of what way a, a loving wife should, should treat a husband. And, we, and, and as husbands, we listen to our wives and listen to, Amen. to see if, if hey, you know, she, she may be right. You know, I need to listen and pay attention. And if she is, and you're right, honey, then we're going to do it your way, you know. But so, but, but I don't know where they came from, but I just went that went that direction. But getting back to the to the subject matter, we were talking about. Um, so we go through what penal substitution is. Everybody know what penal substitution is, because you'll hear that word sometimes when people talk about it. The other one was, which we discussed most, uh, a whole lot ourselves, was on um, original sin or sin. Okay, what, what, what is penal substitution again? Real fast, real fast. Penal substitution is believing that Christ became our substitute. Yeah, okay, no, no, that, no, that, he, that, we, that he died in our place. In our place. That he suffered wrath that we deserve in our place. And that, that's not what he did. He died for the sins of the world. So that we could be forgiven for all those sins and cleansed and then be all washed away. That was another thing. Okay, Christ did. Before, in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, when somebody would ask for forgiveness of sins, they could never be completely clean. The conscience made it where they had to keep offering the same sacrifices year by year for those sins that they had committed in the past. So when you died in the Old Testament or before Christ's death, you went to a place called paradise, which was in the lower parts of the earth. You remember where Abraham's bosom was, yeah. okay? But when Christ died, what happened? He went down first, right? To set, set those that were in captivity captive, and he brought them with them. They went into the New Jerusalem then. They went above then. Is it where I am, you shall be also. So he set those free so they could be, well, how did he do that? Well, he shared the, the knowledge with, with him, what he had done. They received that, and they went up. They had already been forgiven for their sins, but now he was making access for them because they couldn't enter them because they couldn't enter to be with the Father because they had not yet been cleansed by the, what Jesus had done. So they, they were cleansed, and they were able to go and be in the heavens with the Father. So they resurrected them. That's what it did. It washed away our sins as though when you come to Christ and you took, come to a true repentance, it washes away your sins. So much so, it's as though you had never sinned before. See, they didn't have that. They still had that remembrance of it and they never had that clear conscience. Now you can say before God, before all men, like Paul said when, in Acts chapter 23, he says, I stand before God and man with a conscience void of offense. I don't have any sin on my conscience. I've been totally clean. I can stand before the Father, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are living in me. Those are the, that's what Christ did for us, and to deliver us from that bondage of sin when we choose and come to Him. Amen. You understand that? I do understand. That. Any questions on that? The next part of it was that the next false doctrine is that of original sin or the sin nature. We talked about that. And that is the belief that the sins of Adam was transferred to you. That you now have, when you were born into this earth, that you were born with the sin of Adam. So you were, that's why the Catholics from Augustine 
were taught that um, you had to um, get baptized, christened. Remember when we were Catholics, we, you took the baby almost right away and you had to get to the priest, hurry up and get him christened because they believed that the child had original sin on them. And if the child died during that time, the child would go to hell. Actually, that was actually taught. That it sounds as ridiculous as it sounds, that was the belief yeah. that Augustine taught in 323 something AD uh, that you would go to hell. So that was necessary, and so does man, but you laugh at it, but so does man today teaches the same thing. It says that you have sin, you have an atom nature in you, and that you will always sin because you have this that, you, that was passed on to you. But we know better than that. It's in Ezekiel 18:20 says that the sins of our fathers are not passed on to the Son, neither the sins of the Son passed on to the Father. And we're all created wonderful and marvelous in the eyes of the Lord when we're created that way. And that when we were children, we didn't know good or evil, therefore we had no sin because, because sin is the transgression of the law. Knowledge, there's no knowledge of the law, there's no transgression. So we know that that was clean. So we know those doctrines are errors, but we also know that today, today's modern day church teaches both those doctrines. They, they adopted to the penal substitution in 1100 AD. They adopted to the original sin idea, idea from, from Augustine and for, after 300 AD. All our ancient forefathers before that didn't believe in original sin and they did not believe in penal substitution because it's not in the Bible. Really quick, could you tackle a couple of scriptures where they got all that from? Where they got what from? Those two doctrines. Um, well, Romans 5 is where they, where a lot of them receive, where, where a lot of them like, try to justify that Adam's sin was passed on to you. Yeah. But it doesn't really say that. It says that through Adam's sin, death was passed on to us, physical death, because he died and, and all man, mankind dies. But the sin isn't passed on, but that's what they try to use that and say that it is. It says for in Christ, in Adam, all many die, and in Christ, many are made alive. Well, that is true. And if you follow Adam's way, you die. If you follow Christ's way, you live. So, you know, you, you choose which one you want to follow. You repent of your sins, follow Christ's way, you're going to live. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So whether, that's just the end of the end of story. It doesn't matter what, if you sin, you, you're going to receive death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Genesis 8.21. You like that one. Yeah, you notice that before. <laughs> I mean, it, oh, yeah. says, it says uh, um, um, that uh, for the imitation of man's heart is evil from his youth, not from his, not from birth, but from his youth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. But uh, well, uh, actually, if you go to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse twenty-one, it says that that um, man was man was created uh, with purity to begin with. Yeah, you know, it's good. Ecclesiastes. What, which one's that? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, that's right after Proverbs, verse 20. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 29. It says, Lo, lo this only have I found, that God hath made man upright. God didn't make him a sinner. God made man upright. But man, but it says, but they have sought out many invention. So it goes on with what you said, that yeah. when they became a youth, then they, 
follows it with the other ones. Now, also in 1 Peter, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this. This is where this is where we messed up. It says verse 18, 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, For as much as you know that you were were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver, gold, from your empty way of living, which vain conversation means empty way of living, received by tradition from your fathers. That's the nature we receive. We receive that we followed after our father's sin. See, when Adam and Eve were here on earth, they didn't have the temptation that we really have. We have a lot more temptation because we have fathers and mothers and friends and everybody that's doing all this sin around us. And he said that we followed uh, their tradition and we went astray. Right. We all, like all, all sheep have gone astray. So in our youth, we began to follow all the kids we hung around, all that. See, if you were living in Adam's time, there wasn't any influences. Yeah. There wasn't any other kid, nobody else to be influenced by. The only thing you had to do was not eat that fruit of that tree. Right. And they, they did it. Second piece. Yeah, exactly. And then you got your good and evil. <laughs> you got your good and evil. Yeah. What'd you say, Don? Uh, I was going to say that Second uh, Peter chapter 2 gives the warning about those things happening. Um, saying uh, many will follow their, uh, well, it starts out, uh, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Uh, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, uh, uh, bought them, bringing swift destruction to themselves. Many will follow their deprived conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Boy, and that's the truth that's happening today. That's, that's, that's it. Look, look at, uh, if you go along with that, uh, look at 1 Timothy. truth, giving heed to seducing spirits and teachings or doctrines of devils. What was the doctrine of the devil? We said it earlier. You, you surely won't die. And you won't and die, yeah. right? Yeah. What is happening today? We're in the latter days. They're giving heed to doctrines of devils. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 2. It says, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and it's here, when they will not endure sound teaching. But after their own desire shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Are we here? Is that the time we live in? Absolutely. We've been going on a long time. Absolutely. 
it, it's really, you know, they have the platform now. The false doctrine has the platform. The devil has a heyday going on. We're just a few of us that will take the word and just believe what it says. I, I, you know, but you, when I read the word, I, I try to erase everything I've been taught or everything I've known, and I read the word to hear from God because I'm going to be judged by this, and I don't want to have any influence to influence me to, because I've done it before. I, w- I want to know this is so important. That I mean, this is so this is the most important thing in our lives to have this right and make sure it's right because we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at uh, John chapter 12. What, you, what were you going to say, Cedric? <coughs> Look at John chapter 12. Study and show thyself a person. Well, that's 2 Timothy 2. Yeah. But John chapter 12, <laughs> it says here, Jesus said in verse 46, He says, I have come a light into the world, that whoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. Light is, is righteousness, right? Darkness is what? Sin. You know, I want you to abide in that. And if any man will hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken unto him, the same shall judge him in the last day. Those words that Jesus Already spoke, that's going to judge you unless they, you need to pay attention to those words written in red. Right, right. <laughs> you got a red letter edition. Amen. Because those words are going to judge you. When he talks about and he says, listen, he says, before I told you, if you commit, a, commit adultery with a woman, you're going to be, you're going to go to hell. He says, but now I tell you, if you look upon a woman to lust after, mm-hmm. you have committed adultery within your heart. You will not enter. So what does he say? So if you're looking at that porn, he says, if that I offend you, you better pluck it out. Because it's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. If you go to hell with those two eyes, keep those two eyes. Keep looking at that porn. That's what you're going to get. You got two eyes, you're going to hell with the two. Said, but if your hand offend you, cut it off. For it's better to go to heaven with one hand and go to hell with two. Now why in the world would he, if there was no hell, if there was no torment, if you weren't in trouble of doing that, why would he tell you that if you don't do it, you're going to go there? Because he means it. Because that's what's going to happen. He didn't make it again to me and say, well, if you're doing wrong and you're looking at a woman and lusting after you with that eye, pluck it out if you hadn't accepted me and made a sinner's prayer. There's no addendum there that says that. Or if you're involved in the church, or you're a church leader, or you go to church regularly, so don't, don't worry about it. You're exempt. <laughs> you don't say that. Help me. What 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 trouble are we having reading just what he says and believing? Until he, just well, I tell you word. that. Don't walk, run away from that. <laughs> like like we got about God's abandonment and sin about the path on earth. Genesis 1.26 says we were created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. You're born in the image of God. That's good. And he went on to say, for these babies are such as the, like as the kingdom of God. Nothing more pure than a baby. Yeah. But, but the religion like believes believe that baby is going to hell if he's not baptized. Yeah, they're going to hell. I thought all three of mine. Yeah, we all did it. We all did it. Without question. We didn't even question it. 
We just believe what they say. And that they, they make a little communion and that confirmation. Get it all. Then they're done that. To be men pleasers. Yeah. You know, according to that doctrine, uh, you know, you, you pass just about every Catholic church and they have these fields of little crosses and they're for unborn children that were aborted or whatever reason and stuff. But under that doctrine, every one of those little crosses uh, represent a child that's in hell. Um, if they were they're hoping baptized. they might have made it to purgatory some kind of way and you go pray their way out of it. Right. Yeah. But you see, when I come out of Catholicism, I went into Protestantism, the Protestantism was just as bad or worse than the Catholicism. Because it was lying too. He was telling me that all I had to do was make this prayer and that I had to do the best I could and you're good to go. When really the requirement was still the same, the requirement has always been the same with God. Holy and blameless is what kind of church he's coming back for. You can't, if you're going to, you got to choose sin, you got to choose darkness, or you got to choose light. And in John chapter 3, very, very clear scripture there, it says in John 3, since we're right there in John, we may as well read it. John chapter 3. Let's see what happens here. This is right after Jesus had talked to Nicodemus, talked to him about being born again. Nicodemus had come to him. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. John Nicodemus didn't understand it. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. And then he comes back at the end of that, and he says in verse 19, uh, he says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light. They love their sin. Sin is pleasurable because their deeds were evil. That tells you right there what darkness is, right? Their deeds are evil. That's sin. Everyone that doeth evil, this is, this really gets me here. Everyone that doeth do evil, what's it say? Hates the light. Who's the light? Jesus. So if you sin, you know what you're doing? You hate Jesus. I will tell somebody that. They say, no, they say, no, I love Jesus. You don't know how I feel about Jesus. Oh, I feel getting goosebumps when I talk about Jesus. I love Jesus. No, the Bible says you hate him. They get mad at you. Because the Bible says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. What he said in John 14, 23. That everyone, what do you say again? Everyone that does evil hates the light, hates Jesus. Neither does he come to the light because he don't want to see his deeds get reproved. All of you have been in sinning one time. I have. All of us have. And you go to kneel down and you pray sometimes even when you were in that sin. Yeah, but you know when you're in that sin, what comes to you? That said, but you don't you want to ignore that. You want to go on and make some other prayers, you know, get past that. But the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. But say after a while, you know that sin deals with you and you just keep shunning it. But pretty soon it doesn't even deal with you anymore. Waxing cold. Callous tart. Yeah. Heart, heart seared with a hot iron. Yeah. Bad place to be in. You know why? That's right. And you're getting into that place as it says in Hebrews 10 26. We sin willfully after we've come to the knowledge of the truth. There's no more sacrifice for your sin. That's right. You like a dog that returned to his vomit, a sow to mire to the miry pit clay. There's just 
real serious. Like Mother Skip used to say, this is where the rubber beats the road, buddy. That's right. You need to get this right. If you get anything right in your life, you need to get this right. Man's going to tell you otherwise. He'll make you feel comfortable in your sin. But don't get comfortable with it. If you read Genesis through Revelation, we'll go, let's go all the way to Revelation. Let's see if, let's see if he continues with that same kind of thinking all the way to Revelation, Toki. Let's go ahead and see. I'm on, brother. Let's go to Revelation 14. We're gonna we got we got 21, 23 chapters in Revelation, 22 chapters. So let's let's go from 14 to 22. Let's see how many uh, scriptures y'all can find me about what God says it's going to take. Revelation 14 talks about those that take the mark of the beast. Go down to verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are here are they that keep what the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So is the commandments of God still to be kept all the way back there? This is after Jesus had preached, after he had come, after he died on the cross, and he's supposed to be your substitution. Why do you want to tell him? Why do you tell him there that you got to keep the commandments? In the last book of the Bible, it's still saying it. Why wouldn't? Why didn't they just say, "Well, no, I'm not under the law. I don't need it." What would you know about keeping commandments? I don't need to keep commandments. I'm not under the law. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. You still got to keep the commandments all the way to Revelation 14. Revelation 12, you find the same thing. Um, let's let's look at verse uh, of chapter six, sixteen now, verse fifteen. Behold, Jesus says, "I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and they see his shame." Wow, you gotta you gotta be watching out. You gotta keep your garments. What do you say by Romans? Romans 14, he says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for your flesh. That's right. Remember the man in Matthew chapter 22 that says that Jesus had, there was a great feast and he invited them all to come and all the guests were in the chamber and he looks down there and he sees a man, he got the wrong clothes on, took he? Yeah. I mean, he got the wrong, he said, what you doing up in here amongst them? Get him out of there. He's not dressed right. He got the wrong garments on pulled him out of there, threw him, he said, there'd be some weeping, gnashing of teeth, threw him in the head, because he didn't have the right garments on He wasn't keeping the commandments of God. He wasn't dressed and ready. Let's go further. Let's go to Revelation. Get on over to it. And there's something in Revelation chapter 19. That's about Jesus Revelation 22. The last chapter of the book of Revelation. Let's see what the last chapter is going to bring you. Verse 12. Well, let's start at verse 7. Jesus speaking. It's in red. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Let's go down to verse 12. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Wow. Last book, almost the last verse of the book. He says, blessed are they that keep my commandments so they can have a right to the tree of life. What if you don't keep his commandments? Do you have a right? 
no right to eat out. Doesn't look like it, huh? You know, you would think that people would look at that and say, okay, John on the Isle of Patmos was the last disciple living, last apostle living. Every one of them had been killed already, had been martyred and dead. He's the last one, Larry. And there he is, and he's on this island, and he's writing the book of Revelation. And he's getting revelation from Jesus himself. And Jesus himself is saying, you must keep the commandments of God in order to be able to enter in. And we think they would say, well, maybe we're wrong about being free from the law that we can just commit sin and make it to heaven. If Jesus is still saying it, what he said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yeah. he's still saying it in Revelation yeah. 22. That's right. Seems like maybe we need to That's listen to times. what Jesus said right. and not pay attention to what that preacher's telling me. But they won't even leave the last chapter of the last book of the whole Bible that tells you, blessed is he that keeps the commandments of God that he may have a right to enter in the kingdom of God. <coughs> wow. Just, just to be clear. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> That's the last word. What you got? You dropped the mic. Huh? That is a drop the mic. You dropped the mic. Here we go. It's fine. You made a great statement. <sighs> okay. Great, great message. Oh, praise all the Lord. Anybody got any questions? Okay, then. You got all the instruction down. All you got to do is do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>